Oh, so good to be with you, everybody. Um, my goodness, it's such a privilege to be back here at Rush. And I have to say it this way, you know, I am not, I am no longer officially on the Westridge staff. So, yeah. How did you guys not know this? The, uh, so, for me, being at Rush Camp this week, I gotta tell you, it means a lot because I'm just here with friends. And I am so privileged and blessed and have been for many, many years to be able to do ministry, to do life with friends. And we poke fun at each other. We have a lot of fun together. And God allows us to do, I think, some meaningful work together. And I could not be more proud tonight um, of my friends. So would you guys just thank Brad and Todd and the rest of the crew? I hope that there will be lots of opportunity for you to appreciate them in the days and weeks and months to come. Jason is, is up here singing and has, and has got some things he's got to have taken care of after Rush so that he can keep singing and, and blessing us. And Spencer's picking up extra work and there's production team members and uh, volunteers and small group leaders who have taken off work and who are not getting paid and who are doing all the things. This Rush Camp is an act of love and it's an act of worship to our God. And we try to give it our very best. And I'm so grateful tonight to be a part of it. So not everybody knows. So I'll give you like the two minute version. And it's important for me to do this. Some of you are very confused right now. Like I thought the guy coming up would have like a Scottish or maybe a really weird Australian accent. Um, I have neither. Uh, so my wife, Angela and I got to be a part of the original team that started Westridge Church back in 1997. Pastor Brian, who you heard from Monday night, invited us to be a part of it. Such a privilege, ride of a lifetime, 24 and a half years. Uh, I was the children's pastor, maybe for some of you, more likely your older brothers and sisters at this point, that's how long we've been doing this. And God called us, has called us in the last uh, couple years of prayer and, and thinking and, and working with God to plant a church in Scotland. Scotland sounds really cool and it is really cool. I do have to tell you, the people there are awesome. Uh, there's a lot of great things that are like filmed there. I mean, not just Braveheart, but like current stuff. Some of the, the next Star Wars trilogies being filmed in, in Scotland. And, you know, it's where Harry Potter was written. And, and it's got all of this, it's got all this amazing history. It's got all this amazing Christian history to it. And it, at one point, it was a Christian nation. 75% of the people were attending church several hundred years ago. Today, it's 1%. And only 1% of the people of this country know Jesus as their savior. And so instead of being a place that's sending missionaries and sending the gospel out in all the world, today it's known as being the capital of witchcraft, the capital of atheism, uh, leads all of Europe in drug deaths and teen pregnancy. It's got all of these things that are just wrong in this completely beautiful place. All of their national monuments are like throwbacks to Greece and a lot of really famous and, and popular things as a way of them saying, we know everything, we've got it all figured out. And yet, they're leading in all these awful ways and they are in desperate need, as is anyone who doesn't know him, of Jesus. And so we 
have accepted God's call. Angela and I, our, our boys are gonna start off with us as they're in a great season of their lives. They can do this and then figure out some other stuff. But we are starting out believing that God wants us to be just the tip of the spear, just the beginning. We are going to go, to use like some old language, we are gonna go set up the beachhead and then we are hoping that an army of people will follow. And I talk about Scotland tonight because one of the things that's on our hearts is that people like you will come. This nation needs to see vibrant believers in Jesus who are giving their life to him. And so I hope that you as middle schoolers and high schoolers, I hope that you will begin thinking about, and at Westridge and at Genesis, you'll hear more about this in the years to come. I hope you'll come and be a part of this, maybe intern with us when you're in college someday or, or whatever that is. I hope that you will be a part of reaching this nation with us. And um, so Scotland's like this big thing around us right now. So I, I needed to mention it, needed to talk about it so that you understand it. All of you understand it, know what's going on. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Tonight, as we have this last session of Rush Camp, I wanna talk with you about a really, really important subject. We've talked about being awakened to salvation. We've talked about being awakened to God's truth. We've talked about, Pastor Tim talked last night about being awakened to the spirit of God. And tonight, I wanna talk with you about being awakened to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just a place that you visit. The kingdom of God is not just a banner that you live under. The kingdom of God is the light that you bring with you. If you're taking notes tonight, I'm titling this message, Bring the Kingdom. It is the point I mean, when you get to the last night of camp and we've had a lot of songs, we've had a lot of teaching, we've had some incredible stories in the mornings and everyone who shared in the mornings have done such an amazing job. We've had a lot of conversations and groups. There's been really so much life change. Some of you responded last night when Pastor Tim was challenging about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I was amazed in that moment. I was sitting upstairs to see so many of you just kind of came and, and worshiped and, and that was great. But then there were a lot of you that said, you know what, I am gonna do what he just said. God has put something on my heart. I'm going to get on my knees in these aisles and I'm gonna have a moment here with God. I'm going to confess something. I am going to leave something here that's not going to go back with me. That's amazing. And all of these things and all that we're doing, but there has to be a, like a little bit of a question on the last night as we look back over the whole week, really, what's the point? What's the point? Jesus gives us the point. Matthew chapter four, verse 17 says this. Here it is, we got it. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the headline of Jesus's ministry. This is always his main point. When he starts his ministry, at this moment, in fact, he has just come out of the wilderness where he has been fasting for 40 days. At the end of that time, during 
his physically most weak time in that moment, Satan personally comes to him and tempts him and puts all these things in front of him and he resisted. Of course, he didn't give in. He continued to live a sinless life. Jesus has gone through like this most amazing preparatory time for his ministry and then the very first thing he wants everybody to hear is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's the headline over everything. It's his thesis statement. It's the thing that Jesus is trying to prove with the rest of his ministry. This statement, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what Jesus's life is all about. He's trying to prove it. And the proof would come in the form of his sinless life, his compassion, his mercy, his teaching, his justice. And finally, by his death and resurrection, he would prove that the kingdom of heaven, or you can also say kingdom of God, is at hand. In Luke chapter four, Jesus says that the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, they're the same thing, that it is his purpose for coming to earth. The kingdom, to proclaim the kingdom was his purpose for coming to earth. He calls it the reason why God sent him, Luke chapter four. The kingdom of God is the point. And since it's the point of Jesus's life and ministry, it's important to take a little bit of time to understand what it is and what it's not. And this is so, so important. And I'm here to tell you, my middle school and high school and young adult and all the adult friends in the room, can I just tell you, most people who know Jesus, they don't understand what we're about to talk about over the next few minutes. And this can change and ignite faith in ways that very few other principles I believe can. This is the point of Jesus. This is why he came. So one night, you know the story, there's a man named Nicodemus, John chapter three. He's kind of sneaking around at night because he's a religious leader and he wants to have a conversation with Jesus and he doesn't want anybody to know he's having the conversation. I just want to read to you one verse from it and this is, there's lots of places I could go to make the point I'm about to make, but I wanted you to see it from Jesus himself. This is so important, okay? John three, Jesus answered him, Nicodemus, and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now leave that up with me for just a moment. Unless one is born again, that's the idea of being awakened to salvation. That's Monday night. Where over 40 of you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. And that is what I hope the rest of you have already done. If not, it's not too late. Tonight would be a great time for that. Once you are born again, or maybe you've heard the word, we used it Monday night, Pastor Brian used it, saved. At that point, you have the opportunity to see, or Jesus says later to Nicodemus, enter into something that he calls the kingdom of God. Now, here's what you need to understand. This is not what most people would refer to as afterlife. Jesus is not talking about what happens to you after your time on earth. He does talk about that in the New Testament. He does talk about that in his teaching, but he doesn't talk about it near as much, it feels like, as we talk about it. 
In fact, the main thing that he talks about is life here and now. Go back to his original headline. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Once you put your faith and trust in Christ, the kingdom of heaven is planted within you. Come back to that in a second. Jesus says it's at hand. Another way to say that is that the kingdom of God, or another way it's said in one of the other gospels, is that it's near. Now the word picture of the kingdom of heaven being at hand, it's not afterlife, the word picture is of putting something on a table. My notes are. How close are my notes to this table? Pretty close. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. It's like when you go to the doctor for a physical and the doctor like puts that thing in your ear, right? In your eyes, real close. And you're there after school for the 345 appointment. And it's very apparent to you that the doctor had a burrito for lunch. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's close. It's right on top of you. In Mark chapter four, Jesus says, here's how I want you to picture it. It's interesting. He says, picture it as a seed. Not just any seed, like sunflower seed. That'd be cool, the baseball guys like that. What kind of seed? A mustard seed. Picture it as the smallest of seeds. And what does a mustard seed do? If I had one up here and I put it between my fingers, you wouldn't even be able to tell I had it. What does it do? It grows and it grows and it grows and it takes over the area that it's in. Jesus says, picture my kingdom as a mustard seed. Think of it this way. From the moment you awaken to salvation and are made alive to Christ, the kingdom of God is planted inside of you. The power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is planted inside of you. And under the right conditions, that seed will take over and influence every area of your life. That's the kingdom of God. It's here and now. It's present. It wants to grow. It wants to influence everything. It wants to take over. The kingdom of God is the point of Jesus's life. And so it should be the point of our lives. So you gotta understand what it is. What is it? What's the kingdom of God? If you think about the word kingdom itself, you can understand it really simply, a really simple definition, king, dumb, D-O-M. It's where the king lives. It's the dominion of the king. And if there is a king in the land, then the king is in charge. Jesus is referred to in the scripture as the only sovereign king of kings and lord of lords. So you could say it this way. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus lives and is in charge. So if he lives in your heart, he wants to be in charge in that space. Listen, there's a hunger and a thirst for kingdom in all of our hearts. There is a longing to live in the realm of a king in every heart. for every person on planet Earth. And there's evidence all around us. I love being able to look at our culture and recognize spiritual truths. There is evidence of people wanting to be a part of a kingdom all around us. Walt Disney once said, I don't wanna waste my time doing sequels. Think about that. Man has been gone quite a while. 
Disney said, I don't want to waste my time doing sequels. I want to do new stuff. Now it feels like the only movies Disney ever makes are sequels. There's 44 Avengers movies or however many there, there are. I mean, but it's less about the sequel and it's more about telling a new story or adding on to the same story in the same universe. Even if it's a multiverse, we are telling different stories. Why? So we can enter back into that space. I'm a Star Wars fan. Any Star Wars people in the house? Anybody at home? Yeah. If you're not, it's okay. We'll get you there. All right. We'll tell you about Jesus and it'll all make sense later. But the, uh, I mean, I was born in 76. Star Wars came out like right after I was born. I, I've had Star Wars around my whole life. And I was that kid, that nerdy kid that read the books before he watched the movies. And here's the thing, the Star Wars books and movies are the exact same thing. It's not like you can say the book is better because the book is just like the movie script. And there's nothing else there. But from the very beginning, one of the interesting things that the creator of Star Wars did, George Lucas, is he created this like open source platform to where anybody could write a story about Star Wars. Anybody could write a story and people would read them, pick them up, read them. There were some other little shows and things that came out and now there's a whole lot more to that. Why? Because people wanted to just be back in that universe. It didn't matter if the story was very good or not and some of them were really, really lame, but people just wanted to be back in that universe. I'm a fan of Middle Earth. Any, any fellow hobbits in the house? Anybody in there? Yeah. What is it that we love about Hobbit and Lord of the Rings? Yes, we love the characters. We love the heroes. We love the adventure. We love all of that story. But really and truly, I've seen them now. I've read the books now a couple of times. I just want to be back in that universe. I just want to be back in that realm. Now, something I haven't gotten into yet. All right. How many of you watch anime? Anybody, any, any anime people in the house? Listen. Don't make fun of these people, all right? I, here's my only issue with anime. I have no problem with it. In fact, in fact, I've had people tell me they think I would like it. The problem is the commitment. Like I pull up, my guys will tell me like, hey, you need to watch this anime show with us. And it's got like 4,000 episodes. And they're all 75 minutes long and I'm like, I just don't have time to do, I need more sleep in my life. I just can't do this. But listen, why is anime such a big deal, really? It's not just because the characters, it's not just because the heroes, it's not just because the stories are off the wall and they can go nuts or all that stuff. It's because we want to be in those, in that universe. There is a longing and a hunger and a thirst for a different kingdom in every heart. But if we speak of kingdom as just a place, that's just a starting point. In fact, it misses most of the point of what Jesus talks about. I gotta give you one other example of a kingdom because we are an hour, about an hour away from one of my very favorite places on earth. We're about an hour from, universe, I mean from Disney World. We're about an hour from Disney World. I want you to think about this for just a second. Listen, listen to me, I want you to imagine this, all right? From a land perspective, and Disney really is one of my favorite places. From a land perspective, Disney World is twice the size of the island of Manhattan. It's about the size of San Francisco. 
Disney World is larger than 27 other countries on planet Earth. When you pull onto the Disney World property, you go under this you go under this banner, you go under this sign, it says Walt Disney World, you're not allowed to stop and, and get pictures out there. So people just, you know, we just stick our phones out and try to capture the video as, as we drive under it. That lets us know that we're there. Now imagine yourself going under that banner. You know what's there, more than two dozen hotels. There's water parks, there's shopping, there's real golf, there's miniature golf, there's four theme parks. And all of those theme parks have lands and rides and attractions, they have all those things. Imagine yourself, if you will, going under that banner and you are just there. The landscaping is great, they keep everything watered, they keep everything pretty clean. I mean, you get the general idea from the moment you go under that banner, you get the general idea that I am somewhere that is not like anywhere else. Now imagine if you don't do anything. All you do is go under the banner. You're like, well, they're keeping the grass cut. That's good to see, that's nice. You don't go to a theme park. You don't go to a Disney resort. You don't get any amazing Disney snacks. You don't buy a t-shirt. You don't do any pin trading. You don't do anything at all. You are literally just there. Does this sound like the lamest trip to Disney World that you have ever heard of in your life? I have just described to you I have just described to you the experience of most Christians as it applies to the kingdom of God. The idea of just being there and just hanging out, that is how a majority of Christians experience the kingdom of God. Listen, the kingdom of God is not a place you visit. It's not something you walk around in. It's not just a banner you live under just being happy to be in the land. The kingdom of God is not a place you live or a banner that you live underneath. The kingdom of God is the way you carry Jesus to the world. The kingdom of God is the light you bring with you. You bring the kingdom with you. One more example, then I'm going to say some hard stuff. Anybody play football, basketball, soccer, tennis, anybody, any sports people, band people? It doesn't matter what you do, all right? Yeah, listen, all, all are God's children, all right? You, when you go, let, let's just take, pick a sport. It doesn't matter what it is. When you go, when you play basketball, I hope that when you have an away game, you go somewhere else. You don't just go to score points, correct? You go to win. How many people like to win? Anybody go to win? No. I'm so proud of you. Green team likes to win. That's what they just said. They're, they're, uh, they're talking smack up here, which is good. They earned it. All right. But when you go somewhere, if you really want to like 
If you want to be a champ, you don't just go somewhere to win. You go somewhere to make their house my house. I am coming into your stadium. I am coming into your arena because I want to make your house my house. In fact, before I leave here, I'm going to make sure we're going to beat you so badly. Our fans are going to be louder than your fans. You are going to know by the time that we are through that you really had no shot and that we came to dominate you. I have a little bit of experience with this. I am, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm not religious. I do have two religions. I am a Tar Heels basketball fan. So close. And I am a Dallas Cowboys football fan. Now, I know. Listen, I know, I know. We're really good in the regular season. You got to give it to us for that. All right, so I got to go visit Cowboys Stadium three years ago. I did a wedding for a friend in Dallas. And I want you to see, this is what happens to me when I go into Cowboys Stadium. That's it right there. <laughs> people, people are standing up, taking pictures on the star. And I'm like, that's the lamest picture I've ever seen. I'm going to lay down on this thing. And I kid you not, after I did that, like 50 other people, they kept taking their turns just to come up and lay down on the star. It started a trend. It was amazing. I got to go and visit our house, but I had never seen the Cowboys play live until a Falcons season ticket holder gave me tickets to see a game in Atlanta my family and I, Angela and I, Will and Wesley, we got to go see the Cowboys play live, the Falcons game a couple years ago, right before the pandemic, must've been 2019. So I'd never been there before, I'm so excited, but I'm in somebody else's house. We got to the parking garage, the first thing I see are Cowboys fans. I said, hey, y'all, I heard them talking, I think one of them had a shirt on, but not all, so I wasn't real sure. Y'all Cowboys? They said, oh yeah, we got people everywhere. I'm like, that's good, I'm feeling good. We walk in the stadium, we've been given tickets by Falcons season ticket holders. We're surround, we are surrounded by the enemy. I mean, we really are. We are surrounded by Falcons fans. This one little lady, she was not very tall, but she had a big mouth. And she was, <laughs> she was talking smack the whole time. And my wife, who knows how into this I get, my wife's going, you can't do it. You are a pastor. People are going to know you. You can't do it. She would say stuff and I would turn around and Angela's hand would just go on my arm. She's like, we are here to have a good time. We are not going to get in a fight and get thrown out of here. She didn't say that, but it's like, you got to simmer down. So the whole game goes on and it's tied up at the very end. We've got the ball and I'll just make it short so we can move on. The Cowboys won the game. Last second field goal as the clock is running out. I wanted, I turned around, my wife said, you can't do it. You can't do it. I wanted to talk smack so bad. Like, listen, this lady has been running her mouth the whole time. I just want to share Jesus with her. I really, just listen. <laughs> we are walking out of the stadium and we travel, as Cowboys fans, we travel pretty well. We noticed during the game that, man, it seems like we got a lot of people here. But as we are walking out, I kid you not, in Atlanta, it seemed like there were more Cowboys fans than Falcons fans. 
and we had won the game. So there's not a whole lot they can do. And as we were walking out, and we had to walk a long way to get back to where we parked, as we were walking, almost the entire time, once it started, it just never stopped. We are hearing this chant, let's go Cowboys, and let's go Cowboys. Some of y'all getting sick to your stomach right now. Let's go Cowboys. And I'm, I kid you not, it was getting louder and louder and louder. Why? Because we had made their house our house. Listen to me. You bring the kingdom of God with you. And your mission is to make wherever you go his house. Your mission is to make, is wherever you go, that you create a home for God. You create a space where he can work in you and through you and be a blessing for others. You bring the kingdom of God with you unless you don't. Unless you don't. See, from the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and and this happened 40 some people Monday night. This is amazing to think about. Jesus said, I want you to think of it as a seed inside of you. Some of you trusted Jesus as six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. If you're at Westridge, you went to splash class with Pastor Brent. You have learned a lot. Some of you prayed and trusted Jesus in a church service or that or with mom and dad one night before bed or however it worked or in the car or whatever happened. Only think about this now. I'm not making fun. I'm not trying to cast doubt. Just stay with me. Think about what you were watching on TV. Not all of you. You prayed the most important prayer, made the most important decision of your life. And then you went and watched Dora the Explorer. Or Go Diego Go. That was, that was the one I like sat in the room with. Like this is, you guys want to watch this? Cause I kind of do. This is awesome. <laughs> I firmly believe because the scripture says you can come to Jesus as a child and that faith should, we should keep that childlike faith going. I firmly believe, I'm not trying to cast doubt. I'm not trying to make you think that you're not saved or anything like that. You had that moment where you put your faith and trust in Christ, but can I just tell you, for a lot of you, your Christian life has not grown past go, Diego, go. You are still just a kid. And it is time to grow up. It is time, listen. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you and you're letting it stay a seed. You're letting it stay so small. You're not allowing it to grow and to influence everything in your life. And you have this opportunity to bring the kingdom of God with you.
but so many people, my friends, a majority of Christians don't. And it's why our churches are dying. And it's why people are looking at Christ and the church and saying, <laughs> it just doesn't look like it's worth it. Let me say some hard things, because that was easy. The Apostle Paul says this, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that would be an idolater, has no inheritance in, here's our, here's our term, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ and God. Let me give you a different word than inheritance, okay? I want you to think of it this way. Participation. Participation. The desire of God for his people is not that you would just come in but the, and live under the banner, but the desire of God for his people is that you would participate. What God wants for you as his children is your active participation in his kingdom. You might be thinking, I thought God would want me to be happy. Well, he does. God, God does want you to be happy. It's not that he doesn't want that for you at all. It's just not the end goal. Happiness is just a temporary thing. Listen, God loves it when his children have joy and pleasure and a good time, but it's not the goal. Jesus didn't come to make you happy. He came for abundance. He came that we might have a life to the full. What is that? It's a life of struggle and success, a life full of adventure and triumph over hard things. But we have to go through the hard things to understand that. He doesn't just want us to live under the banner. He doesn't want us to just roam around in the kingdom. He wants us to participate. He wants you to bring the kingdom of God with you. But so many of you are choosing not to. You're choosing other things. And this is something that's weighty on my heart and heavy on my heart. And I know some of you got victory last night, what Pastor Tim said, and maybe some of you are hesitating or held back in that moment. So I'm just, I'm just gonna go with what I believe God wants me to share tonight. So this is a tough passage. Tim read part of it last night. I'm gonna read another part of it. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine says this, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? I want you to lean in. I want you to listen to this, please. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those that get habitually drunk, nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers will participate. I'll go ahead and use my word. Participate in the kingdom of God. That's a nasty list, isn't it? Can I just tell you something? <laughs> I know all of those people. Isn't that awful? Look, that list again. Sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, habitually drunk, verbal abusers, swindlers. None of those people will inherit the kingdom of God. I know those people. I could write name tags. And can I tell you why? Because they go to church. Are we preaching yet? Listen, they go to church. They go to church. They have been born again. And they have kept the seed small. 
They have been born again and they have not let the kingdom take over. They have been born again and they're not participating in the kingdom of God. And some of you would rather choose impurity and even sexual sin. Look at all the things on this list. Like we don't just have to go for the big ones. Like we can talk about thieves or greedy or swindlers or just verbal abusers, bullies, somebody who just keeps coming after you time and time and time again. And they say they know Jesus, but they're so mean to you. Can I just, how are we supposed to feel about those people? Am I supposed to judge them? No. Am I supposed to love them? Yes. But I need to recognize that they are not participating in the kingdom of God. You can never know God's power in your life when you're actively participating in sin. You just can't. Can you still be saved? Yes. But that's not what Jesus died for. He died that you might experience the abundant Christian life. He calls it the kingdom of God and he's inviting you to bring it with you. Bring the life and light of Jesus with you. Now, both of those passages, Ephesians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6, use a, use a term, idolater, an idol worshiper. Now, you probably don't have an idol or a shrine set up in your house somewhere. Maybe you do. I hope not. But what is an idol? An idol is something that you give your life to. You invest in it. You dedicate large portions of time, attention, maybe money. It's, an idol is anything that you put in the place of God. And all of us have idols at least some of the time. All of us have idols at least some of the time. They're, and when we have idols, that means during those moments, during those times where we're focused on something else, we are not experiencing the kingdom of God. When you put anything in your life ahead of God, a relationship, job, money, whatever it is. You have an idol in your life. And listen, in large part, God is going to be okay with whatever you do with your life. I know there's a lot of hand-wringing. God, what do you want me to do with my life? In large part, he's going to be okay with whatever you decide to do as you commit your plans to him. He has called all his people to serve, to be holy, to do the work of the ministry. Some of you even recognize a specific call to be a pastor or missionary. But whatever you do, the issue is motive and intent. It's for his glory and his purposes first and not for yours. In fact, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. In other words, if you put the kingdom of God first, Everything else will fall in line. A necessary part of active participation in the kingdom of God is active participation with Jesus. We've talked about it, been challenged about it this week. If you're not actively in relationship with Jesus, reading the Bible, praying, listening to the voice of God, your decisions about who to date, what classes to take, what to do about your job, how to spend your money, and any other decision is going to be all about you and not about him, and those things will be idols to you. It's about motive and intent. You will not be an active participant in the kingdom of God, and here's what will happen. The drift of your life will be so slight and so subtle, you'll start to believe the lies of the enemy. Some of you are believing lies like God doesn't care, like you don't matter, 
that all this talk about Jesus and abundant life is all just talk to make people feel better about themselves or it doesn't really have any substance. You won't believe in your own worth or value given to you by God who says you're fearfully, wonderfully made. You won't believe that God has plans and purposes for you. You won't believe that you measure up. You, don't, you won't believe that you have what it takes because of who Jesus is. You won't see yourself as worthy of the love of God or others. You will consider yourself a failure. It's a slow, slight, subtle drift that, suddenly, that sadly a majority of Christians do. Just like Tito said the other night, God didn't move. You did. And that's why it's so important that you wake up to the truth and teaching and reproof and correction and training every single day because that's where you find hope and peace and joy and freedom. When you actively participate in a relationship with God, listen, when you wake up to what Jesus has done for you and the kind of life he's made pos possible for you, you will recognize his place as the most precious thing in your life. The most precious thing in your life. Jesus said the kingdom of God is precious he says, the kingdom of heaven, he told a story, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he went and sold everything, went and sold everything he has and buys that field. Again, he says it this way, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls and he found one priceless pearl. He went and sold everything he had and bought it. Listen, when you understand what the kingdom of God can mean for your life, it becomes the most precious thing in your life. Am I supposed to go sell everything I've got like, like you guys are doing? I mean, we're selling house and car and most of our belongings. Are, are, you, are, we, are we all supposed to go do that and go be missionaries somewhere? No, but if Jesus asks, yes, but you don't have to do that, but be willing to do that because it's worth it. This kingdom is something real, something worth fighting for, something worth living for. It is something precious. The kingdom of God is precious. What was your most precious possession as a kid? some kind of blanket or stuffed animal, something you had to have to make you feel comfortable, something you had to have to make you feel strong, whatever it was. Listen, the kingdom of God should be a personal possession that you bring with you wherever you go. And I gotta say this, I gotta ask this question, I want you to understand, what is God's most treasured possession? You. What's God's most treasured possession? You. You don't believe me, do you? Some of you don't believe me. But it's you. I know that some of you come to camp this week and you're like, I thought I was gonna make friends. And honestly, it hasn't gone very well. I still feel alone. I've still been picked on. I just feel like even in a crowd of people that I'm just not accepted. I, I want you to see something here for just a second. I saw this artist on Instagram and, and so I just screenshot it and held onto their stuff. Their watermark's still on it, so we'll give them cred at some point. This is how Jesus feels about you. Just look at that for a second, would you? You are his most precious possession. Now leave that up for a second. Pastor Tim talked last night about conviction of sin I've shared tonight there's things that you can't do and experience the kingdom of God some of you 
you won't confess sin because when you've said you're sorry before or what, you have this picture in your mind of angry God. Can I tell you what this is a picture of according to this artist? That's Jesus on the left. That's Peter on the right. After Peter denied Jesus three times. And after Jesus restored him. Have you got something in your life you're nervous about confessing to Jesus? Would you lock this picture in your mind and never forget it? Because I don't care what you bring to him. That is the Jesus you will encounter. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. Listen, the kingdom of God has got to be personal. Our definitions are pointless if it's not personal. Our worship is pointless if it's not personal. But if you can commit your life and determine that Jesus is not just going to be a banner over your life, but a personal treasured possession, then your life will be marked by a God who speaks. You will know him personally. You will experience him personally. You will know him as a God who makes all things possible, all things new. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And if you are participating in his kingdom, then you move and you walk around as if you have been sent from him. You are constantly aware of it. You are his ambassador. You're his representative. You are a living messenger. You are constantly aware that you, when you walk into school or a job or a family gathering or a friend's house or wherever, that you are a living, breathing, appointed representative. And it's personal because you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you are personally, actively participating in the kingdom of God and the spirit of God will empower you. You will be confident to do things you otherwise might not do. What does it look like when you bring the kingdom of God with you? Well, when you encounter someone, when you encounter someone who is hurting or alone or ostracized, you go up to them and you put your hand on their shoulder. You ask them what's up. You care about them. You do everything you can for them. When you see someone mistreated, you stand up for them. When you see racism or injustice, you don't just go along with the crowd, but you stand up and make sure everybody knows there's no partiality with God. He loves everyone the same. When you bring the kingdom of God with you, you put others first. You look for opportunities to serve others rather than to be served. You forgive those who don't deserve it because you understand that there was a time and there are times when you don't deserve it either. You love your enemies. You pray for those who hurt you. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. You choose honesty and truth even when it's hard and uncomfortable. And you bring heaven to earth. You bring Jesus with you. The kingdom of God is not a place you live. It's not a banner, a, a banner you live underneath. The kingdom of God is the way you carry Jesus to the world. It's the light you bring with you. One other scripture, Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees and he said this, he said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs that can be observed. It's not coming with big banners, big flags, not coming in neon lights. People are not gonna be able to say there it is or there it is or here it is. He said this, 
the kingdom of God. This is Jesus, Luke 17, 20. The kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. So my friends, what will you do with the supernatural life of God that's been planted in you? Will you let it grow? Will you let it take over? Will you let it influence everything? Will you make it your treasured possession? Will you make it personal? Will you make it precious? Will you make it at the forefront of your mind so that everywhere you go, everything you do, you will bring it with you? Jesus living his life through you. One author says this, he says, there can be no kingdom of God in this world without the kingdom of God first in our hearts. And his life is light. His life is light. I wonder if you would be willing to walk out of rush camp and think every single day, everywhere you go, I'm bringing him with me. It's not about going to a foreign country. It's about the next room you walk into. It's when you're in the gym, at school, at work, at the next family gathering, you are shining the light of Jesus. Pastor Tim and I had the opportunity to be in a few countries together. Burkina Faso is the one that comes to my mind, this little country in West Africa. We've been in villages where like witch doctors are praying against us, the next village over, they don't come too close, but they're just praying against us. We've been in places that just feel dark. You ever been in a place or watched something or seen something and you're just like, man, I, just, I can just feel like an evil presence. I just feel like something's not right. I wouldn't say I feel an evil presence when I go to Scotland, but I'm just like, it's just not, it's just dark. It's spiritually dark here. And God wants to use his people to shine spiritual light into dark places. The Bible says that even the darkness is as light to him. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. When you bring the kingdom of God with you, you bring his light. When you bring the kingdom of God with you, you shine his light in even the darkest of places. My friends, the kingdom of God is not a banner that you live underneath. It's not just somewhere you live. The kingdom of God is how you carry Jesus to the world. It's how you carry his light, the light of Jesus to the world. And so I wonder who wants to light up the darkness. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment?
oh, I want this to be personal in your life. I want this to be, I want you to think everywhere you go, the kingdom of God is the light that I bring with me. It's the light of Jesus that I bring with me. If you're here tonight and on Monday night, Tuesday night or last night, you were not awakened to salvation. You didn't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you it's not too late. And I want you to talk to your small group leader before the night is over. Say, listen, I can't get this off my mind. You guys keep talking about it. I've been talking about it all week. I can't get this off my mind. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I need somebody to help me know what this means for me right now and show me how. Tell me how. I hope that you'll have the courage to do that. But now at this point in the week, we know that many of you have decided yes or no. Yes or no, I'm, I'm all in or, or I'm not. And if you have been born again and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then the challenge tonight is just a question. Will you bring the kingdom with you? Will you leave this place, go home, and everywhere you go, will you bring the kingdom with you? Will you say, I'm not just waiting for heaven later, I want to experience the kingdom of heaven now. And I want others in my life to experience it now. It doesn't matter how ridiculed that I might get. It doesn't matter if I walk into dark places. It doesn't matter what happens in my life. I am going to bring the kingdom of God with me. It's personal. It's precious. Jesus died for this. I'm going to be all in with him. I'm going to bring the kingdom with me wherever I go. I think most of you would probably say yes to that. So I want to give you a way to remember it. If you would say, I'm going to bring the kingdom of God with me. I'm going to carry the light of Jesus with me wherever I go. Then what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to just get up. And we've got people in the aisles. And they've got something for you. I want you to just go and just, they've got just a little bracelet. I've been wearing one. This just says, I will bring the kingdom of God with me. If you're committing to say, wherever I go, whatever I do, no matter what it takes, I will bring the kingdom with me. Then what I want to invite you to do, I want to invite you to get up, go grab one of these. Don't do anything with it yet. Don't do anything with it yet. And come back to your chair and sit back down. This could get a little chaotic for just a moment. Don't do anything with it. There's a switch on the side. Don't flip it. Don't touch it. Just grab one of these and then go back to your seat. Don't do anything with it yet. Hold it just like I am. Hold it just like I am. Go back to your seat. 
This is gonna take a few minutes. Everybody maintain your chill. Let's keep this, let's keep this as a moment between us and God. We're gonna do something with these in just a moment. I pray that you'll never forget, but I don't want you to get ahead of me. Just hold it right like this. Go back to your seat. When you get yours, go back to your seat. And then I wanna invite you to bow your head. Go back to your seat and bow your head. It's gonna take a few minutes. It's okay. It's okay. Hold it, don't put it on yet. I know, it's driving some of you crazy. Don't put it on, just hold it, bow your head. We're gonna pray over a couple things here in just a second. We're almost done, sort of. We're gonna use these here in just a moment to create some space for you and God. So please, honor this moment, respect this moment. Just take, the, just take it, hold it, don't put it on your hand yet, don't touch the button on the side yet, don't do anything like that. Just, just hold them, bow your head. In prayer between you and God. the back. Would you put my picture of Jesus back up, please? I want to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Those that are still getting bracelets, you just keep getting them. Let people get back to their seats. Everyone else, bow your head and close your eyes. I wonder if there is something in your life that as Pastor Tim said last night, you've been convicted of, it's been left unconfessed at this point. And it is stopping you from living the life that God wants you to live. It's stopping you from believing the truths of God's word and how he feels about you and how he feels about others and you've been drifting away. And this kingdom is not really living and active and alive and powerful inside of you. You have been choosing less than God's best. If that is true for you, then I wanna invite you, I'm gonna give you one last shot because I, I believe this is so important. God cannot work in an unholy place. His power cannot be made alive in an unholy place. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. 
cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I wanna ask everybody that's with me, the band, everybody, could we all bow our heads and close our eyes? I've got a reason. I'm going to close my eyes, leave that picture up. And if you've confessed sin, I want you to look at him. Just look at the screen. That's how he feels about you. Oh, just feel that hug. Just feel that hug. If you've not been living for him at that point, I'm going to keep my eyes closed. The band's going to keep their eyes closed. If you've not been living for him and you say, I, I don't really know why. It's not like I'm this, it's not like I've been practicing sin every day. I don't, I don't feel like I'm on any of those lists. I don't really know why. I just haven't been doing it, but I'm going to make a decision tonight. I'm going to bring Jesus with me wherever I go. I'm going to bring the kingdom with me wherever I go. If that's you, you don't know why you haven't been all in at this point. I want you to take a moment and I want you to look at the picture of Jesus on the screen. I'm in. I'm all in. Oh man, he's not ashamed of you. He was never ashamed of you. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. Now for everybody, the band can look up and do what you got to do. Students, keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Tonight's a declaration night. Tonight's a commitment night. I will carry the light of Jesus with me wherever I go. I want you to pray and tell him that. The band's going to lead us in a song. And when you feel like you are ready at any point during the song, I want to invite you to just slide this bracelet on and then flip the button on the side and commit that you'll carry his light with you. Father God, we are your people, your kids, and your power is within us. We say tonight, unleash it. Unleash your power within us. We can't wait to see what's next.